0: I have a lot of what I call Christiisms, And here's one that fits into that comment. It has to be all about them before it can be all about you before it can be all about us. Again, I walk into companies all the time. And the first thing I want to do is, you know, I want to see email templates and scripts and things like that. And I just go, wow. I'm like, you guys think really highly of yourselves because that's all you talked about in three paragraphs.
1: Hi, friends. Welcome to the Sales Enablement Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Paul. That was Christy Jones. Christy is the principal of the Sales Acceleration Group. And in our conversation today, we're talking about sales hiring in general, and in particular, Christy's five steps for effective sales hiring. We first start by digging into the questions that companies should be answering internally in order to build a good hiring profile. And we explore the topic of why we rarely see hiring companies ask their buyers what qualities and skills do they need from your sellers in order to help them do their jobs. We dive into the topic of behavioral-based interviews. Christy shares what this means, why these types of interviews are important, and also shares some of her favorite questions to ask candidates. And then we get into the topic of assessment, assessment tests Excuse me, and the role of assessment tests in the process of evaluating potential job candidates, and how to use these tests if you think they have value. Now, we get into all of this and much, much more, but before we get to Christy, I want to remind you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to it. And if you subscribe, we'd certainly appreciate it if you could also give us your feedback about how we're doing in the form of a review. So, thank you. All right, let's jump into it. Christy, welcome to the show.
0: Andy, thanks so much for having me today.
1: It's a pleasure to have you here. So, you're joining us from where?
0: Uh, St. Louis, Missouri.
1: St. Louis, Missouri. Um, yeah, lots of our friends are in that area. Mike Weinberg and others have been on the show. Yeah, uh, Mike Weinberg
0: is a, is a good friend as well, and he is. Uh, yep, he's nearby.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, tell us a bit about you and what you do. Sure.
0: Um, I've spent about the last twenty years in in SaaS sales leadership. So, about uh, fourteen of those. As a director of sales, VP of sales, you know titles are cheap and business cards are cheaper. I say so. <laughs> call me whatever you want, and I'll. They'll, I can get five dollar business cards for that. Um, and then six years ago, I started my own consulting business. So I had spent all of this time in the SaaS startup world mm-hmm. and wanted to continue to help SaaS start- startup founders help build out their sales process, their people, their tools, their strategies, and so. I really play in that world. Um, some I would say majority of my clients are VC backed, but uh, mm-hmm. about twenty five percent are not. They're bootstrapped, so sure. I uh, I like to help everyone get started and make sure that they're going to be successful and that they'll be around on year five.
1: Right, and so the name of your company is
0: Sales Acceleration Group.
1: <laughs> so. Yeah, I, was, I sent you an email about this this morning yes. is that was the name of my company 20 years ago when I started it and and I own the domain that you uh, you own now um, we, <laughs> I thought that was an amazing
0: it was, coincidence
1: yeah it, it was it' was like okay well first of all great minds think alike right. and and yeah it's just when I was looking at your your website I was like something's very familiar about that and I was like <laughs> oh. Yeah, that was the name of my company before we changed it a couple times. Um, I appreciate
0: you giving up the domain name.
1: Yeah, well, there, are, you're welcome to it. So, I'm not sure I've seen anyone as uh, invested in Kansas University football as you, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm actually really invested in Kansas uh, University basketball.
1: Okay, well, I, that's a good thing. That's we a good had thing. Some,
0: yeah, I, I say I fly my flag with pride, but not during football season.
1: Okay. All right. But you you were you've been writing about it. I mean they did have a big victory recently.
0: What I again, like we have to celebrate all of the victories because there are so few that I yes, I, I decided I needed to write a in fact, as you know, I wrote two blog posts because after I wrote the first one something else crazy happened that really wasn't um directly related to KU but in our and I'm I'm all go big twelve as well. So you are
1: all big twelve. You're 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 unhappy about conference realignment. I think is a for, for people who care about this thing. You are unhappy about that.
0: Bitter might bitter might be, yeah. Bitter, and I yes. still like I still won't talk to the Mizzou people either for the same reason. So very upset oh, about they, that.
1: Did they did they move? I, I haven't tracked recently. Did they go to SEC?
0: Yeah, a few right. years ago, they left. Yeah, so it's interesting because we used to play, you know, we used to do, um, you know, we played them twice in basketball, of course, home sure. and away. And then, but we did a big, um, their football game was always the Friday, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Right. And so the when they left for right. the SEC, we were very bitter. And so we said, um, we're canceling our contract. We don't want to play you. We don't want to play with you anymore. <laughs> um, but we have, we put our big girl pants back on and we are doing our first basketball game with Mizzou. Um, In several years, this Saturday, so the basketball is back on, and in 2023, we will resume playing them in football.
1: All right. Before we move on from sports, do you have tickets? Are you a ticket holder? Do you go out to Lawrence and watch games? Um, I
0: am not. I am. I am a. I'm a ticket buyer, but not I'm not a ticket holder. So right now, I have three games already purchased for basketball season. Um, we have several of our teams in the Big 12 that are in the top 25 for basketball. So I have strategically chosen the games, and I believe the big game is going to be KU versus Baylor. I'm going to go oh. ahead and put that out there that that will be. Um, I'm hoping that College, the ESPN College Game Day, I'm going to go ahead and put my plug in now for <laughs> College Game Day to come to the Baylor KU right. basketball game, please.
1: Yeah, I, I suspect they're not listening to the show, but you never know. You don't know. <laughs> you never know. That's right. All right. Well, we were going to talk about uh, a topic of mutual interest today, hiring, sales hiring yes. specifically. Yes. And you've written a series of blog posts about the five steps to hiring the right salesperson. Yes. So your step one was putting together a hiring profile of the ideal candidate. So what's involved with that?
0: Um, you know what, you need to, you know, you need to sit down with the, you know, normally for me, it's the founder, it is maybe the, all of the C levels, um, and really understand, you know, not just requirements for the job itself, but obviously culture plays in a piece of that. Um, I no longer say I'm looking for cultural fit. I'm now saying I'm looking for cultural ad. So where can we bring some mm-hmm. diversity into into the situation, mm-hmm. um, uh, and gender as well. So, you know, we write the job description, sort of the overview, the what you're going to do, what the company does what are the must-haves, what are the nice-to-haves, and then what's the cultural fit look like. Um, I try to write it two ways. I try to write it so people are able to easily exclude themselves as well. Mm -hmm. I call it Mm -hmm. self-selecting. And then um, I do, I take that job description and I run it through a gender gender neutralizer um, uh, website where it will tell me if I have written it dominantly on the masculine side or dominantly on the feminine side. And if it is weighing one way or the other, it'll say, here are the words that you've used that have made it such right. so that I can try to gender neutralize it. As you know, because you you, you and I have mutual friends um, as women's sales pro, my women's mm-hmm. sales pro group, who are actively working to get more women into tech sales.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. And so I presume words like hunter don't make it through.
0: Yeah, crush it. <laughs>
1: Aggressive
0: right. aggressively pursue quota
1: right, okay, all good. so one question for you though when when because this is a shortcoming that I see uh, companies don't think about and don't aren't intentional about thinking about when they're you know writing a job description, writing a you know ideal candidate profile or something, which is they're not asking themselves well, what qualities and skills do our buyers need from our sellers? to help the buyers do what they need to do.
0: So true. Um, traits are important. So um, I, uh, with some of my clients, I use a sales assessment or assessment called the cultural index. And it talks exclusively about traits. And I learned a lot. I had to go to two days of training in Dallas to be certified to be a, a cultural index um, individual. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I learned is that traits are set by the time you're 12. And so, well, so describe be- a, describe a traits. Um, a trait would be um, again, like again, kind of assertiveness or um, independence or um, team-oriented. Pardon me.
1: Personality-oriented.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, things that make you who you are, things that make you unique from another individual. Um, and so they they are they're set by twelve, which is super interesting. I've taken this test several years um, over the years, and I'm always a trailblazer through and through. There are 18 profiles that come out of that assessment. Um, and I've been a trailblazer ever since I first started taking the test. And, that, and they say that that's not going to change, but I keep testing them. So I think one of the things that's important is, you know, what traits are going to be successful for the buyers that you're working with? Um, because I work, you know, across industries, talking to an HR person, different from talking to an accounting person, mm-hmm. different mm-hmm. from talking to an engineer, um, you know, C level versus V level versus D level. And so, but the interesting thing that I learned, and so I'm pretty firm about kind of the traits that go along with hiring, is that uh, the concept here is because they're set at 12, you have a propensity to be comfortable in certain situations and uncomfortable in others. And if we take someone who has a nurturing trait, if you will, and try to make them a hunter, I say, anybody can do anything for 30 days, call me on day 31, um, in this case, we say anybody can do anything for nine months call me you know on month 10. but they will eventually either um, they will fail in one of two ways either they will you know cause their own demise by you know imploding mm-hmm. or they're going they're not they're gonna miss the target right And so trying to take someone who's a nurturer and ask them to cold call out to strangers is going to be is basically setting them up to fail. So one of the things I talk a lot with my clients about is, Let's make sure that we don't set someone up to fail by putting them in the wrong seat on the bus or hiring them for the
1: wrong role. Yeah, I mean the idea of fit is is hugely important. I just actually I wrote about this past week is is you know much like there's product market fit, there's a fit for you as a seller. That's right. Because I don't think there's as said in the post. I don't really think there are good sellers or bad sellers. I think you're either in the right situation or you're not. That's right. but it speaks to this idea of traits, though, because within one company, because I'm not very dogmatic about that. I mean, it's nice to have the data points, but mm-hmm. yeah, I've seen people of widely varying personality types or traits succeed at the exact same job.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I had the same. I, I had the same um, situation a while ago. Um, I say you can work harder, you can work smarter. I don't care which you choose to do. Just hit quota. Um, I personally think the work smarter uh, strategy is better. Um, but this comes into play. I was at, I was uh, doing a panel discussion last week. Uh, Donald Kelly, if you know, the sales evangelist oh, yeah. came to St. Louis, and, and I was on a panel discussion with sellers, uh, our first in-person sales meetup in two years. Super exciting. Um, but we talked about the fact that that, you know, how women, like traits of women versus traits of men, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I worked with a woman who was a work harder. She was just going to outwork her male counterparts, but she had a very nurturing manner. And so she also spent more time with people. Her sales cycle was longer. Um, she she involved more people. And so I think when it comes to strategy, I think you can have, again, in that case, different traits. So the the gentleman that she was most closely aligned to was on the Work Smarter program. He was very targeted with his mm-hmm. accounts. He did a lot of research. Um, he only wanted to talk to certain people. And so I, I do think, you know, when I talk to when I when I'm hiring for different roles, um, you know, I do take that for sure. I take the buyer role into into consideration um, because again, who you're talking to and the technicality of the of the product that you're selling, those things all come into play. And so mm-hmm. I think there's just a, you know, I try to write the job descriptions in a way that helps people say, that's me, or I don't think that's me.
1: Yeah. Which I certainly, <laughs> much more attention has to be paid to, you know, just for reasons as you expressed before about, yeah, you know, we don't exclude people self-selecting out because right. there was overly masculine language used mm-hmm. and thus women say, well, that's not really going to be a fit for me. Right. right. Um, but I still, I think in general, I think companies have to do a better job of thinking, okay, what what do our buyers need from a seller? Because you know, you look at the way we basically train sellers and the rep, let's say the reputation that salespeople have yeah. is, you know, pushy and you know uninformed. And you know, I just got through talking to someone that has done a lot of research into it. They've written a book that, you know, ninety percent of senior executives say they get no value from talking to salespeople.
0: Right. Yeah. And it's that they just bad. come in
1: and talk about themselves first versus and it's like well, that's all. That's learned behavior. To your point about traits, that I is mean, what, right. I mean, natural and yeah. more innate behavior is like what I talk about. in My new book coming out is like you know, desire. We're wired to want to connect with people. We're wired to be curious. We're wired to want to understand the world around us. You know, we're wired to give uh, generously. How do we end up with a situation where people have this expectation that they've come into this job, they got to put the sales hat on and act a certain way?
0: Yeah, um, I have a lot of what I call Christiisms, and here's one that fits oh, into that that good comment. One. It has to be all about them before it can be all about you before it can be all about us. And so I oh, I tell oh, sellers that like
1: go back through that again.
0: <laughs> it has to be all about them right. before it can be all about you right. before it can be all about us.
1: Oh, I like that. I like that.
0: Yeah. So that and that's where you know I walk into again. I walk into companies all the time, and the first thing I want to do is you know I want to see. Email templates and scripts and things like that, and I just go, "Wow!" I'm like, "You guys think really highly of yourselves," <laughs> because yeah. that's all you talked about in three paragraphs.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Try, try asking a question. All right, so uh, you've done the description. I just want to try to cover more ground on the hiring thing. Um, is you have some pretty rigid criteria for for screening resume, and I just wanted to run through some of those because I. Yeah, there are just some people that shouldn't be getting in the door and getting more of your time and attention. And yeah, I'd see not enough companies, not hiring managers, spend enough time screening. So, what are some of the key things you screen for?
0: Um, Again, uh, this one's—I can't take credit for this one, but again, the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, I'm looking for a track record of success. I'm looking for a track record of uh, you know taking some risks so i I do a lot of hiring for startups right the risk profile has to be high um this is a christianism i say you have to be more willow than oak to work in a startup so i'm looking for people that potentially again like if you've been working for a large corporation that probably has every single step already outlined and just gives you the playbook and you don't have to like i call it check your brain at the door Mm -hmm. if you've been able to check your brain at the door you're probably not a good fit for me um, I love to hire certain types of people, so I love to hire military former military leaders. I like to hire mm-hmm. former athletes or current athletes. I like to pe- to hire people to who've had some sort of, of um, challenge in their life.
1: Right. So go back to the athletes and the military leaders. What what attracts you to those candidates?
0: Um, uh, leadership skills, normally in general. So with the athletes. It is discipline. Athletes have discipline, as do the military. As anybody Mm -hmm. coming out of the military has uh, has gotten discipline under their belt. They've all they've all, for the most part, probably had some adversity. They've all lost, right? They've all lost the game. They've all, you know, lost a promotion. Um, You know, the military is very interesting because there's a lot of um, promotability there, but they have very strict criteria in order to get promoted. Um, and, and you have to deal with all kinds of people. Like if you're a military leader, you don't get to pick your, your platoon, right? Mm -hmm. That's picked for you. Same thing in sports, in a sports situation, a sports team, you don't get to pick your teammates, but you have to figure out who to pass the ball to, when to pass the ball, you know, when to pass the ball or to take that shot yourself. Right. And so, you know, going back to my, um, you know, my sports days, KU has acquired, well, he will remain nameless, but he has required uh, through the transfer portal a new player who at the last school, selfishness was not discouraged. Um, But at KU, Bill Self doesn't play selfish basketball. We play team basketball. And so we're trying to break him of his prior habits. And so you have to understand those kind of things. But if you've been in a team environment, for the most part, you have learned to work cooperatively. That Mm -hmm. means within, you know, with prospects, with other departments within your organization, um, but you also got up at the crack of dawn, right, to get to practice. You also, if you're in football, you also practiced in the middle of August um, in Texas with pads on. So, you know, you understand about hard work. You understand about the work ethic part of things. Same thing in the military. You know, how many holidays did those people miss?
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
0: how many birthdays did they miss? They were willing to make a sacrifice for the greater cause. And I think those people will make a sacrifice for the greater cause of a company as well.
1: Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean I I um, two of the best bosses I ever worked for were ex uh, military academy graduates. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they teach they teach people skills very well. That's right. Uh well so two things on your resume screen one is one of which I really agree with which is that <laughs> deal breaker for you is spelling grammar and capitalization errors on a resume. Yep. Um, inexcusable these days. I mean we're in a detail-oriented business, and if you can't be paying attention to detail, that's problematic for me. So I, I agreed that one. The one I was more curious about is yeah, you, you said you disqualify people who are still living in mom and dad's basement. Um, I
0: do.
1: So yes. you do realize that more than half of adults age thirty and under live with their parents. So yeah,
0: this has been a, so this has so been a challenge for me. So, yeah.
1: you're, so you're excluding half of the potential population pool.
0: It's, there's a chance that that's the case. Um, yeah, I'm the girl that will take. Yeah, please don't put your address on your resume because I will Google map it. And if it's a two story tutor home with a swimming pool, chances are slim that you may get through the door for me. Um, I also used to plant myself at the window and watch them drive up as well. Um, what were you looking I, I, for when they drove up? Uh, just like whether or not the car that they're driving uh, was as, as a result of them working at Chick-fil-A or um, whether as a result of someone being a CEO at Chick-fil-A and their family. Um, I do believe again, some of my, some of the hardest workers I've had, um, have been kids that didn't grow up, you know, privileged. Um, and so, you know, when you don't, you know, this is, I mean, you know, we're in a 50, 50 split, right? 50 base, 50 commission. If you can live off your base salary, that's going to be a challenge for me as the leader in some cases. Right. Um, you know, unless your goal is to get out of mom and dad's basement and you're pretty honest about that up front, like I got to get out of the basement over here. Um, so I gotta get my own apartment. Um, you know, times have changed and I, I, I've had that rule for a while. Um, I do still, I, I do still like seek out that information. Um, because I, I unfortunately, you know, again, um, again, going back to future behavior and past behavior, I probably hired too many people who didn't have that ambition that I needed them to have mm-hmm. because they didn't have to pay rent and they didn't have to make the car payment. They didn't have to pay insurance. Um, and so, when I want you to make a hundred thousand dollars versus fifty thousand right. dollars, I need to know that you're going to be hungry to do that. And you know, and again, like, what is your motivation? It's a question. You know, like, what motivates you? Um, and when they say money, I probe. I go, money to do what? Right. Because it's not just, you know, money's a fine answer. Like people used to say that was the taboo answer. Like you can't say money. And I go, money's a fine answer, but money for what, right? Money to better your family situation, money to better your education, you know, money to get you out of mom and dad's basement. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I think more than anything, I'm looking for ambition. And I understand that, that in today's world that sometimes you do have to go from college back to the basement. But I want to know that your goal is to get out of there in the next 12 months.
1: All right. Well, I was going to give you a hard time about the the car payment thing, very old school. Because I, I, you know, that's that was when I got hired into sales, you know, back in the late 1800s. That's what they were mostly asking about. The you know, branch manager would always ask, and so I had, I was driving at that time my a car inherited from my great aunt. It was thirteen, fourteen years old. I mean, she was she was a little old lady who driven it to to church on Sunday, basically. And, um, yeah, the the guy that was hiring me was, he hired me, but he was appalled at the car. <laughs> First of all, that I would drive it to an appointment. Uh, <laughs> right? And so, yeah, he he was you know after me gosh, weekly. When are you going to get a new car? When are you going to get a new car? When are you going to get a new car? Because that see, was I'm so They're the like During yeah. the interview process back then is, so when are you going to get a new car? <laughs> and it's like, so just a yeah
0: no confirm- I want see I want that I want the person with the twelve year old car that's what I'm looking out the window for because I okay. know that they I know that they're afraid that that thing is going to break down at some point and they need to have the money to to uh, to fix it or or replace it
1: yeah well just to piss them off when I got rid of it I sold it to another guy in the branch <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so, yeah yeah stop bugging me about it I'm selling it to Gary he's going to drive it the next couple of years and drive you crazy nice. um, all right. So it's after you do your resume screen, something comes on. Next step, you do a phone screen. Yes. So again, this is something that oftentimes sort of done in sort of a drive-by fashion. And the reason we're sort of getting into detail on this, and I have a hiring prof, five-step hiring process, do a little different than yours, but it's like, you know, it's like with a prospect, you're qualifying people. Why do you, why do you want to waste your time yes. and attention on people that just aren't a fit? Not that they're bad people, just not a fit for your situation. So what That's do you right. do on a phone screen?
0: Uh, I ask, uh, so the first thing I do is I compare it to your LinkedIn profile. So warning, um, if the dates don't match or the missing jobs, then we're going to start there. Um, so again, I'm going back to attention to detail. So the first thing I do is yeah. I, I start there, right? And, and then then you're going to get caught with your pants down because that's the very first thing I'm going to say to you is, hey, it looks like there's an 18-month gap on you know whatever, or it looks like the dates don't quite match up. Um, I did eliminate a candidate recently who was none too happy with me. But he had taken his his paper resume and rounded everything to the nearest whole year, um, which, made, which made his tenure at some companies look better than it was. I compared it to his LinkedIn profile and realized that the last three companies he'd been at, he'd been at fewer than nine months. Um, but on paper, it didn't look that way. And so, um, you know, here's your, there's your fair warning um, that I will be comparing those first and foremost to your LinkedIn profile. Um, and then I well, ask. Everybody, go back as far
1: should, everybody as I should be mean. conscious of that. That that employers are going to look at your LinkedIn profile.
0: I yeah, mean. I'm out on Facebook, so good news. I'm not going to go stalk you on Facebook. Um, I believe Facebook is the root of all evil, so I'm not participating in the Facebook game. But uh, <laughs> but I am. I'm out. I'm all in on LinkedIn. Right. Um, so then I'm going to go back two or three jobs, depending. Again, if it's an SDR, I'm probably only going to go back a job or two because that's probably all I got to work with. Um, other than their time at Chick Fil A. Um, but if it's a AE or, or a different type of position, I'm going to go back relevant. I'm going to go back probably at least five years and I'm going to ask three questions about all that, all of those jobs. I'm going to ask them to tell me about their compensation structure. I'm going to ask them to tell me how they left the company better than they found it when they got there. And I'm going to ask them about their reason for change. I call it RFC. Uh, what was your reason for leaving and how did you find the next opportunity? Um, looking for a few things. So mm-hmm. I'm looking for progression, right? I call it step change. I'm looking to see Again, the most ambitious people um, who are A players mm-hmm. know when and where to make the next change. They know when to leave the current job, when they've gotten all they can out of it, and they know what the next right job looks like for them in order for them to start at the 70% mark from a skill level and have to work their way back up to 100. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at that in two ways. I'm looking at that as a compensation situation, and I'm also looking at that as you know your reason for change. Um, And then I want to know what you contributed, because, you know, if you uh, as an interesting aside, I interviewed a candidate yesterday. And when I asked her that question, those three questions, and then she said, interestingly enough, the question about um, how do I leave the job better than I found it is the reason I'm leaving the job. And I said, oh, well, tell me more. She goes, I can't see my contribution. Um, She was at a very large Fortune 500 company. And Mm -hmm. she said, I just feel like I, I don't know if I'm contributing or not. I can't measure that. I don't feel like. Like my day to day, you know, activity is making a difference, um, and I thought that was one of the best answers I'd heard in a while.
1: Was she on target?
0: Um, she was on target, but target. she just felt like she was a, you know, cog Remember. in the wheel. Yeah, yeah. And she just didn't feel she just. And I said, well, then maybe the startup is the right place for you because there's nowhere to hide.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, it's a question of fit, right? That's right. Yeah. So, okay. Well, that works. So then, after you do your phone screen you have what you call behavioral-based interviews. So I'm interested in, in that because yep. you yeah quite a long list of questions that you you yes. use. So tell us what this means for you.
0: Yeah, so this goes back to um, you know the best predictor of future behavior is past behavior. And I figured that out based on asking the tell me about a time when question. Um, most all behavioral-based interview questions will start with tell me about a time when. Um, and I'm looking for a specific situation. So um, again, sometimes it's hard, right? Because the first question I ask every candidate is tell me about a time when you persuaded someone to make a change that was extremely reluctant to do so. Well, if you're an A-player sales rep, you do that every day, right? But I want a specific example. I want a specific prospect, coworker, boss, customer situation. Um, other, you know, other situations I say is tell me about a time when the, the deal that you knew was going to close actually didn't. And what were the circumstances around that? Mm -hmm. Tell me about the last time you missed quota. Um, So I need them to, I I need to know, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not looking for a specific answer. I'm looking more about how they process things, Mm -hmm. how they work through things. Are they, I I call it, are they willing to fall on the sword? Right. Um, I said, you know, tell me about uh, one of my other ones. Tell me about a time when you took responsibility for a bad decision. Mm Hmm. Right. I'm looking for accountability there. So I, I do my questions based on competency topics. And so under each competency topic, I have behavioral based interview questions that tie to those. Um, you know, and then sometimes I ask just the regular question, like, you know, are you more likely to ask for forgiveness or permission, um, is one that people love to not answer. Um, Um, I I get a lot of both.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So what about, what about questions that ask about values and character?
0: Ah, yes. Tell me about the last time your integrity was challenged, falls under the character and integrity category. Um, yeah, I think um, you can, you can, that's, it's so funny. I asked that question and people are hard pressed to come up with an answer and I can give you 12 right off the top of the, you know, right off the top of my head. Maybe that's because I'm older. Um, but, but I asked that question mm-hmm. um, and, and I ask about, again, if you're in sales, if you've been in sales, I ask about how do you build, um, how do you build trust? and credibility, right? I Mm -hmm. I want people to, you know, I need, I, I know that people need to feel like they can trust and there is integrity around those things. So um, I have a lot, I have a lot of different questions that I ask. And I think over time, you know, I spend a lot of time with them too. We're moving pretty quickly through the sales process now in under two weeks, um, but we're going to spend at least three hours with you in that period of time. But I openly say to the candidates, you will know well before I know if this is a good idea or not. So be real honest with yourself because in the three or four hours we'll spend together, um, you'll you'll know. Like you'll know whether this is a better fit than I will know if you're a better fit. I truly believe that. And so I say to the candidates, I'm going to do my best to make you an educated consumer so that you can figure that out, so that you can self-select if this is not the right fit for you.
1: Okay. So... You're describing situations where you're hired by a company to help them, you know, hire you're you're hired to help hire people.
0: I am. It's all yes, that, that all of the hiring I do is for other people now. Right.
1: Is so who at the company is participating in interviews? Because what I what I see is the more of the state of the art of, of interviewing these days for jobs is that um you know there might be multiple people interviewing someone, but they all ask the same questions because mm-hmm. that way they're able to compare notes on the answers right. they got. So how do you structure that with people in the company than interviewing oh.
0: Great question. And I'm in a little bit of a unique situation, um, which I love, by the way. Um, I'm not working for companies so large that that's the case. So literally after I do the phone screen, that behavioral based interview, normally the very top of the food chain joins me. Normally the owner, the CEO, the founder, Mm -hmm. the COO is joining me. Um, So what what an amazing opportunity for the candidates too, right? So I I tell them ahead of time, like, you're going to literally be, we're going to be with the founder and, you know, here's what you need to know about that individual and make sure that, that, you know, the questions you ask, like, this is the, this is the person, right? This is who, this is whose baby Mm -hmm. you're going to be selling on a day-to-day basis. So, you know, they're like, nobody's a harder critic than the person that birthed the baby, right? (laughs)
2: Generally, so,
0: yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, They're like, you know, who's going to raise my baby? They're very particular about who raises the baby. So, you know, in some cases, these interviews are harder, right? Because you've got the the person whose livelihood, whose house is baby, they put their house up, right, mm-hmm. um, to get the bank loan. And so, but on the other side, like, what an amazing opportunity to know that, you know, you get to talk to the person who, whose idea this was, who brought it to life, um, you know, who's risking everything to make sure this works. So, Um, I do put them also in front of another employee um, and I do that privately. I let them have a private conversation and I say to the employee, Hey, we've vetted them. They're qualified. We Mm -hmm. think they're cultural fit. But again, I go back to this educated consumer. I want them to understand, like I go, so I, again, like I let that conversation be private. I tell them they can, the candidate can ask the employee anything that they want about, about the leadership, about the company, about the industry, about the process, about, you know, what's the hardest part, like get educated. And that's what I say to them. So I feel really strongly about that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I go back, I go back at the 60 day mark with candidates that have been hired and say, what didn't, you know, what caught you off guard, what caught you with your pants down? Because I need to continue to improve the interview process so that they, you know, and, and again, most of the time I hear, nope, it's what you said it was because mm-hmm. um, the founders aren't always happy with me. But I'm on the transparency program, and so you if we don't be, have, right? you know, if we don't have funding yet, if we're not at Series A funding, then you need to know that. Um, if we're deficient on some sales tools, then you need to know that. Mm-hmm. If we're still trying to figure out go to market or testing out new industries, you need to know that. Right. Um, and particularly because that's the world I live in, which is uncertainty is an everyday uh, reality. And so, you know, we're not you know, I say I, I try not to hit the squirrel button every day, but you know, <laughs> but you but you know, we may try new messaging every sixty days. Um, right. you know, and so if that like again, if you're not willow and you're oak, now's the time to figure that out.
1: So what I like to do is was found what I found very effective is so your next step after doing your, your behavioral questioning is you do an assessment. Um mm-hmm is, I like to use assessments and reference checks, actually, as a bunch earlier in the process, before you invest yep. the time to bring people in an interview. I'm just wondering, because I, you know, to me, those are data points to say, okay, is this a person a fit? Yep. Um, so I like to do those, you know, after the screen. Uh, yeah, just-
0: yeah, good point. It depends. I, I mentioned cultural index earlier, and in fact, cultural index requires you to do it before you ever talk to anyone. Once you've gone through resumes and you have determined that, because again, they believe that if you if their traits do not match the job role, the needs of the job role, then it's a no fit, and you don't even interview them at all, regardless of their skills or what they've done in the past. Um, I, I had I fought that a little bit, but I get it now. Um, I do the assessment, I do do the assessment about two-thirds or three-fourths of the way through. And normally what I just call it is gut check, right? Like I'm not really, I, you know, not really using my gut because I use the same interview questions and I know what I'm kind of looking for from, a, from an answer standpoint. But I use an assessment from Wiley and Sons um, out of Texas that I call ACT meets Myers-Briggs. Mm-hmm. Um, it literally has a verbal and math section of numeric ability, numeric reasoning, verbal ability, verbal reasoning. Um, which is very disagreeable for people who've been away from high school more than eight or more years. Um, They find that super disagreeable to get, I go sharpen your number two pencil, get your paper out. Here we go. Um, And then the Myers-Briggs part, right, is all about them, right? You want to swim with the sharks or swim with the dolphins. Um, And it's not a pass fail. I have taken my best a players over the years and put them into a composite profile and just said like, hey, like the majority of SaaS sales successful A players look like this. How do you compare? Um, and the most interesting thing I find, and this this is where like normally I get caught. This is the only time I get caught with my pants down normally is sometimes they're an introvert. But I didn't catch that in the interview process mm-hmm. because they're on stage, right? And they right. And everybody's on stage. And so right. they come across as an extrovert. But when I get them, energy level's low. And team is low. And I go, hey, like I'm really surprised by this. And most people who are self-aware say, that's because I'm an introvert. And I was like, oh, well, now I got a whole bunch of questions
1: for you. I right? Now you're just giving people a good go-to excuse. Um, <laughs> so, I am. Now everybody that you talk to is going to be an introvert. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm Again, I I mixed feelings about the value of assessments. Though I think they're useful as a data point.
0: I do too. Um, they're a tool in the toolbox. They're not a deal breaker. I mean, very rarely. Yeah. The only time they're deal breakers if the assessment lets me know that they did not consistently answer things. Their truth score was low. At that point, I got to throw the assessment out because it's it's not something I can use as a data point.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, I've told the story before on the show. Is yeah, a few years ago, it took a. One of the leading sales assessments, and um, yeah, the score was apparently so shocking to the CEO of the company they called me to make sure I hadn't had a mental breakdown or something. So, um, which has always been my conviction is that yeah, if I were to take a, a you know a career test, it would tell me to go be a shepherd as opposed to a salesperson. Um, but I think that sort of speaks to the fact just how this is so hard to hire people yeah. because. You don't know. As I made before, is, is one of the more successful salespeople I worked with, uh, one client, was pathologically shy. Mm-hmm. I mean, pathologically shy. Mm-hmm. I mean, after working with this client for four years, as was fractional there for four years. He still couldn't bring himself to talk to me, or if you're sitting in the lunchroom together. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yet he was, yeah. he was a killer. On the phone, Not, I, mean, in terms of his I was going to say, "How did he do?" I mean, yeah, it, was in he terms.
0: inside or outside?
1: He was inside, but yeah. he also, but eventually, we got him. You know, in sort of a hybrid role, and mm-hmm. he about and I, by kill, I mean he just he helped buyers, he closed deals because he just knew the buyers inside and out, and they felt incredibly comfortable and confident and built about trust. But you know, people skills were. Unfortunately, it was something he really had to work on all the time. He was aware of it, but I mean, it was it was painful for him. And so I always use that as one example. I've got many more. It's like, yeah, this is such a tough business because different types of people can succeed doing the exact same job. I yeah. think where the I think where the the rub is these days is that you get more and more inexperienced managers saying, "Well, we have to follow this process precisely and this playbook precisely," and yep. Myself and three other people with different personality traits are going to say, well, hmm, yeah, that may not align with how I could do this best. Yep. Um, anyway, go
0: ahead. Yeah. I, wrote a, I wrote a blog post recently about do you understand your sales superpower? Right. Um, and, yeah. I t- and I spend a lot of time talking to people about that because what my superpower is won't be your superpower, won't be somebody else's superpower. But do you have awareness around your superpower? And do you know, have you honed it? Have you put it into play in a competitive situation? Do you know when it's your go-to? Do you know when the chips are down? How to use it to to get you back, you know, above water mm-hmm. type of thing. And I think, yeah, I mean, I think those are um, those are I, I, again, I I think those are things that sales reps don't spend enough time talking about. I, I use a few different phrases there, like, you know, do you know what your swim lane is, right? Do you know if you should be selling a product or a service or software? Um, should you be, you know, should you be in B2B? Should you be in B2C? You know, I talk about really understanding where your home is, where you can be the most successful. And that went back to kind of what I said, like, did you understand what the next, you know, right step was? Are you taking the next right step in your career? If you, and again, it's okay to make a bad career step. I'll give you, I'll give you mine. Um, you know, I spent the first eight years as a buyer um, for a department store, mm. then got disenchanted with that. Got into um, subscription based selling because it wasn't SaaS back then. Mm-hmm. Subscription model—that's how old I am. Um, and then I got bitten by the VC backed bug, mm-hmm. and so I took a job at a company that was VC backed. The CEO and the COO had just saved Briar's ice cream from, um, you know, destruction. They from were, melting, from literally melting down.
1: They, were, they um, were a customer of mine back in the back ah, in the day. I sold them a So um,
0: these two individuals were—I called them "guns for hire," right? They sort of worked for the VC. They saved Breyer's Ice Cream from meltdown, literally, and then came in to save a, a holistic dog food and cat food company. And I was like, wow! I was like, I got enchanted. I was like, ooh, I could run the. Yeah, I was going to run the Canadian team. I was going to run the inside sales team. You know, everybody was so mm-hmm. smart. The interview process was so hard. And I got in there and I was like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing in CPG? Like, what right. have I done? Like, I know how long it takes to make food. Like, I don't <laughs> care if it's dog food. It takes a long time. And all of a sudden, I've got to call distributors because we're missing – and like, we can't produce product because we can't get ingredients because they are these weird organic ingredients. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, again, on the good news side, my self awareness is high, and I was in and out of there in ten months. But yeah. I tell people, you know, when people talk to me and say like, "What's the biggest mistake you made?" and I say two things: one, not joining the racquetball team at uh, Southwest Missouri State, and and taking a job in CPG. Yeah. Um, but but I knew right away. But so it's okay. So I say to people like, "But I got. I didn't wait. I didn't wait years to get out." I got out in under a year, and I felt, you know, I mean, like, that's not my normal MO. I just told you I stayed at a company for 10 years, um, that that e-learning company uh, right. that I started my SaaS career in. I was there for 10 years. So, I like, loyalty is a thing for me, but all of a sudden, you know, I was like, oh, my gosh, I've made a huge mistake. And I wasn't, and I knew I was not going to be able to be my best. They weren't going to get the best out of me, and, and I wasn't going to be able to learn what I wanted to learn. And so I said, I say, dog food and cat food aren't sexy, but tech is.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think that the lesson is for sellers is that you have to operate with intention. As much, right. much as you do in selling to your customers, you have to be intentional about every step of the interaction, or every interaction you have with them, every step along the way, yes. so too with your career. Yeah. And if you're just floating, going from job to job, yeah, sort of without a, a plan, then that's, right. yeah, that's problematic. So.
0: All right, yeah I'll, well, tell, I'll tell you one more story that because I kind of liked your story um, but one more story about one of the best sales reps I ever worked for sure. and understanding themselves. Um, I hired at the SAS e-learning company that I mentioned. Um, I hired a gentleman and I was using this assessment at the time and I was I required the candidates to take it on site. And the, I'd gotten him through a recruiter, and the recruiter called me and said, "Can this candidate take it at home?" And I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. Like that, you know, can't use the calculator for the math part, and you right. know, I'm kind of a rules girl." So I was like, "Yeah, it kind of breaks the rules." And he he was a friend, and so he talked me into it, and I said, "Sure." And I hired the guy, loved him, and in the first couple of days, he came to me and he said, "Hey, um, I can I'm, I want to know if you'll be willing to buy me a software program?" And I said, "Okay, well, tell me more." And he goes, "It's called." Uh, natural uh, natural dragonly speaking
2: Mm
0: -hmm. and dragon naturally speaking. Sorry, dragon naturally speaking. And I said, so I like grab my computer and I go, oh, it's voice translation. And he goes, yeah. And I go, oh, I go like, do you just think you can be more efficient with it? And he says, no, I have dyslexia. You don't want me writing anything. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. Which is why he had to take the assessment at home because his wife had to read it to him. Um, it was important enough to him, um, and he had had he had had help all through college. He'd had a, a proctor all through college that helped him, uh, went to class with him. So, one do? of the most successful sales reps. Um, I, uh, today he sells God. Um, back then he sold software, but he's a mm-hmm. pastor now. Oh. Um, <laughs> so he literally sells God. I say I tell people, um, but one of the best sales reps I had with an extreme learning disability situation. But learned over time how to work around it. But here's what he had that other that other my sales reps didn't. He had a connection with people, right? right? He had honed his people trait to an extreme because he had no choice. And he was funny. And he said, you know, when we talked about it, when we got we got to know each other, and we're still friends today. I talked to him a week or two ago, um, and he hasn't worked for me in in 15 years, 16 years probably. And I said to him, you know, we talk we talk about it often, and he says. I had to diffuse people and I had to charm teachers and professors. And I used my humor because he said, you couldn't call on me. I would freeze up, right? Yeah. I, would, I, I wasn't, I, like in school before I got the help I needed, calling on me terrified. I was terrified, but I could diffuse the situation with humor. So he also became super funny. And so those are the kind of things, like when you read the book Grit, you know, and you talk about bounce back factor and grit and those type of things being important and having some sort of uh, struggle that you've, that you've overcome. Um, you know, I I don't like, it'd be interesting. I don't know the answer. If he had told me that and confessed that during the interview, what that would have done for me. Um, I also have a sibling who has a learning disability, so I probably would have been empathetic and compassionate in the situation, but boy, it made him amazing. And I like, I, you know, now that we got the pandemic, I've had a chance to hear him preach online. Um, Right. And so like he's like now he's doing what he really loves, but he's still selling every day. Right. Um, He's just selling a different product and service than most of us. But, you know, he's dynamic. He he's engaging. He sucks you in. Um, So, you know, when you talk about diversity, you know, it's not just minority. It's not just men versus women. There are lots of other ways to bring in that. That's where I said earlier that I no longer want cultural fit. I want cultural ad and people like that bring cultural ad to a company.
1: Perfect. All right, well, Christy, we are running out of time, so thank you for joining. Me. For people that want to learn more about you and Sales Acceleration Group, where yep. can they find you?
0: Um, please connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm I'm fairly easy to find. I'm out of St. Louis, Missouri. I'm Christy with a K. And then go to my you know go to my website, salesaccelerationgroup.com. Go to the blog page. Uh, Sixty blog posts all about hiring sales leadership. You know how to, uh, how to hold your prospects accountable. My blog post is chock full of, of good things to digest, especially as we're coming to the end of the year and starting a new one.
1: Excellent. All right. Well, Christy, it's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Paul, well, thanks so much for having me on.
1: All right. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Thank you.
1: Okay, friends, that's it for this episode. First of all, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen I'm so grateful for your support of the show, and I want to thank my guest, Christy Jones, for sharing her insights with us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast, Sales Enablement with Andy Paul on iTunes, Spotify, or every listen to podcasts. So Thank you for your help with that, and thank you so much for investing your time with me today. Until next time, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone.